with me to uh, Luke uh, chapter 1 this morning. Primarily going to stay right here in Luke chapter 1. So uh, if you find your way there, that'd be great. Let's pray together and then we'll begin our study. Father, we thank you so much for uh, the joy of this time of year and being able to celebrate uh, together. Um, and pray that you'd bless our hearts uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The last month, uh, we've been focusing on each week on, on bringing in uh, kind of an understanding of the kings that the prophet Isaiah spoke to. And, and true to, say, Isaiah's uh, way of writing, we, we didn't handle it chrono- chronologically. I mean, uh, uh, our brother Chris Bove, he, he started out with, what was the name of the king Chris spoke about? Hezekiah, right? And so we've looked at four kings that Isaiah primarily spoke to. He spoke to Uzziah, right? He spoke to Uzziah's son, which is Jotham. And then we looked at wicked king Ahaz uh, last week. And then, and then Hezekiah. And uh, Ahaz, we know, is a wicked king. He sacrificed at least one of his uh, kids uh, to the uh, pagan god Moloch, and we know that uh, Hezekiah's son Manasseh, he was he was even wickeder, and if you can imagine, uh, than than Ahaz. But these other three kings, Uzziah and Jotham and Hezekiah, we noted that all of these kings were attributed by the Lord that they were a what? Uh, they were a godly king. They were a good king. But they all had inherent flaws uh, within their character, which which we kind of took note of. And when we look at their inherent flaws, it it speaks to us that that God will use anyone. You know, God will redeem even our flaws and our sinfulness. But if we looked at the, the sinfulness of even these godly kings, noting it helps us to do a contrast between the kings that Isaiah spoke to and our text this morning. Our text this morning deals with with two women, deals with Elizabeth, and who's the second one it deals with? Deals with Mary. And when we look at the kings of Israel, even the good ones, they had two flaws that were part of their character. And the first floor leads to the second floor. They're all combined. The first floor is, is their pridefulness. And even Uzziah, he conquered the Philistines. He was a great builder. He was a, he was a lover of the Lord. But as he matured, as he got older, his confidence became more centered in himself rather than the Lord. And, he, and, and we know that that pride does what? Precedes what? the fall. And so Uzziah and Jotham didn't clean house. He left the pagan altars around. And and even good king Hezekiah, who we learned about his prayer, is that when, as he uh, achieved success and as God blessed him and favored him with healing, right? After he did, I mean, really a remarkable prayer, which Chris brought out, you know, kind of paralleled the Lord's prayer we see that Hezekiah uh, greeted the Babylonian envoys and was prideful 
and showed them everything. And Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and said, oh, my dear boy, that, that is not, that pridefulness, that, in a sense, even nationalism, that pridefulness is going to cost the kingdom. And we know when uh, the Babylon, uh, Babylonians came in in 586, right, and took the southern kingdom into captivity. And we already know that the northern kingdom in 721-722 was brought into captivity by the Assyrians. And so when we look at when we look at these texts, we come back to that verse that we've started with pretty much for the last month. And that verse is Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes this, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scripture, we might have what? We might have hope. And so what we have before us when we turn to the New Testament we have hope and we have a contrast between, say, things that we might not admire and we have a contrast with how the Lord introduced the next chapter in his plan of redemption. After 400 years of silence, God begins moving again. And who he moves through is not kings, not not through mighty kings, not through great prophets, not through, you know, mighty politicians, people of influence. He moves through two ladies. One lady's name is what? Who is she? She's Elizabeth. Is, is, is uh, she a young lady or an old lady? She's an old lady. And she was old. And, and she had not had children. She was the Bible calls her barren. And that came with a lot of, say, uh, a shame. And it came, it came with a lot of sadness uh, in her heart. And the Lord looked at Elizabeth and came and spoke to Zechariah. I mean, come there with me in Luke chapter 1. We see in the days of Herod the king, we're in verse 5, Luke chapter 1, there was a priest named, what does your Bible say? The priest's name is Zechariah. See, this is like adult Sunday school. You hang with me for, for a little bit, and you'll know all the names, and, and you'll get used to giving at least an answer, which is all we want, you know. If it's good, it's okay. If it's not good, well, we're just going to go with the flow. So Zechariah is the name, and, and um, Zechariah is ministering, and he's faithful. His wife Elizabeth is faithful in her old age. And the angel comes to Zechariah and he says, what? He says, you're going to have what? It's kind of like I can imagine Zechariah's reaction. It could have been the same way that my son-in-law, who will go nameless, <laughs> go nameless this morning, you're having twins. And he spoke in Hebrew. Whoa! was just utter, it was, I mean, you just got to get in touch with the guy's emotions. I mean, he was undone, and, and, and the angel didn't quite appreciate his response, so he zipped his lips. He says, you're, you're going to be quiet for a while, and we know that, that the angel's words came true, 
and Elizabeth, a humble, elderly saint, maybe, hard to tell how old, maybe 55 plus, maybe 65 plus. God came to someone that was powerless, someone who had no hope, someone who was resigned to walk in shame, someone that had unfulfilled desires and expectations, and God came and used a lady, an elderly lady. The message should, in the application should be clear almost immediately, is that those that are close to the God's heart tend not to be the powerful, tend not to be the people with influence, but we're going to come to find out through Mary that, that God tends to like dispensing grace into the heart of the lonely, the marginalized, those that are not valued by the culture of the day. Look at Luke chapter 1 as we move more towards taking a look at Mary, which is our, is our text. Take a look at Luke chapter 1, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how, how will this be? I am a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then the angel <laughs> gives Mary some incredible information in verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called... Elizabeth, who was the one called barren, verse 37. Great verse in scripture, isn't it? When you're facing the impossible. For nothing, say it with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Not a thing. Not if you're a 16-year-old girl, a 15-year-old girl. Nothing's impossible if you have a humble heart. If you're... 55 plus or 60 plus or 65 plus, 70 plus, and you say, you know, I'm just retired. I can't, you know, what does the church need of me? Well, God needs you. God wants to use you. Come back to the text. Verse 38, look at Mary's re reply. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her. And so what we see in Mary's heart, first off, is a, is a humility of heart towards stepping into God's plan for her life. And it was, when we consider Ahaz, Ahaz, it was just the opposite, wasn't it? God says, ask me for, to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, Ask me for a sign as high as the heavens or as low as Shahol. Ask me for a sign. And Ahaz got all religious and said, Oh, I cannot test the Lord, which was a bunch of baloney. Because he had a what? He had a prideful, prideful heart. We know when we looked at last week, Isaiah 7, verses 1 and 2, 
We know that the Lord had already determined that that was what he was going to do. And in his grace, he was asking Ahaz, do you want to participate with what I'm doing in redemptive history? Mary has a heart of humility, and she simply says, look, I'm your servant. Whatever you got for me, Lord, I'm trusting you to bring it about. And we're going to see that when we look at her response. But before we get there, which is our text, look at verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with, I have this blocked in my Bible. She went with haste. She got an Uber. Said, I'm going to Elizabeth. Why did she do that? Because the angel had spoken. And in her heart, she said, I, I wonder. In her heart, she said, I want to find out. In her heart, she was stepping in to what Jesus, uh, stepping into what God wanted to do in her life. She says, I have to find that out. She took an action and demonstrated the faith that she had in God's promises. And so she goes to Elizabeth. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And so God uses this elderly woman a woman without power, without influence, and he uses her and will use her to bring forth a boy who will become a man, and his name is John the Baptist. Mary, if we could consider her situation, Mary's a poor young girl. Depending on who you talk to, she was 14 or 15 or 16 years old. She's a poor young girl. She's vulnerable. She's betrothed but unmarried. And she's what? Pregnant. When I was a youth pastor back in the day in Medfa. And in my home, we had four unmarried young girls in their late teen years who had babies. And I can tell you about their emotions. I can tell you about their anxiety. I can tell you about their fear. I can tell you about what am I to do. And I can tell you about the, the conversations about, well, I thought he loved me. And all the, the, the emotional uh, distress that goes along with it. And I, I don't know exactly what Mary was feeling, but I, I do know this. That if she had any of those feelings, she didn't give in to them. Because she had joy that wasn't tethered to her circumstances. She had joy that was tethered to the word of God. And so we see the second thing in who does God really want to use? Does he want to use these great big kings? He certainly had his pick of them. He certainly had the pick of the kings. 
But no, he begins his work of redemptive history, that new chapter, he begins that new work with an elderly lady who's barren. And he begins his work with a teenage gal that's unmarried and pregnant. And what we see in both of these ladies is we see, we see joy that's not tethered to their circumstance, but joy that's tethered to the word of God. Whether you're young, a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, or whether, or whether you're, you're, you're kind of zooming in on that 55-plus community, wherever you're at, a humility of heart and a disposition to trust God's word, that opens up the door to be used by God in mighty ways. Mary helps us to see her joy because she breaks out into worship. And in her worship, she's pretty good at it. She has a three-part song of praise that she shares with us. And that was our text. That was the Advent reading. And in each one of these sections of the text, what we see her is, is highlighting an attribute of God and connecting it to the Old Testament. So everything that Mary embraces, everything that Mary brings to her song is tethered to the Old Testament. Take a look at, say, verses 44 and 46. What we're going to see here is the attributes of God's sovereignty. We're going to see God's sovereign plan of salvation, and we're going to see Mary's response to that plan that God has for her in bringing her salvation. Look at those verses with me. In Mary's song of, song of praise, verse, say, 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my, and my spirit rejoices in God who? My Savior. Mary had a Savior. And she, her heart finds joy in that. And it echoes this, if you have your notes, 1 Samuel 2.1. When Hannah brought Samuel, the young boy Samuel, to Eli the priest, what was her heart? One of joy and confidence of God's plan. Mary needed a savior. Sorry, I don't want to rail on this too much. It's, it's kind of fun to do in New England. It's easy picking. But but Mary needed a savior. She was not a co-redemptionist. Mary needed a savior just as well as you and I need a savior. If you're looking for the doctrine of Mary, there's one doctrine of Mary in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 2, verse 5. And if you follow Mary's doctrine, Mary's teaching, you're going to get to the right place in your life. Do you remember, remember the story? They're at the wedding of Cana, you know? They run out of wine. And Mary goes to Jesus. She goes, come on, boy. <laughs> and, and the servants are looking to Mary for instruction. And what does Mary say to the, to the servants? Go and do what Jesus tells you to do. And if you, if you square that away, then your life's going to be okay. Because you're going to follow in humility and obedience to what Jesus would call, what Jesus would 
invite you to come and walk with him. And so the beginning of the introduction is about sovereignty. It's about salvation. The whole body, the whole body of her song is all about one thing. It's all about grace. It's, it's Mary's song is not a me, me, me. No, I, I won't sing anymore. I, I did, got my one song in for the year. But you know, January 1st, right around the corner. But it's not a me, me, me song. It's all about him. It's all about God's grace, his love, his mercy. And get this, in every phrase, it's connected. And you know, you can see that. It's connected to the Old Testament. And so what Mary's modeling for us, if, if that, no matter if you're 16 or 60, anything in between or on the other side of that, what God is looking for is not a mighty king, not a person of influence. God is looking for is someone that has a humble heart. Someone that has that, it's like Matthew 5, 5, I think it is. The Beatitudes, the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Kingdom of God. See, it's the humility of heart and trust in who God is and anchored in his revelation in history, anchored in his intervention in history as recorded in Scripture. That unlocks it. It unlocks our, our ability to, to respond to God's grace. It unlocks the, abil uh, the ability for the Holy Spirit to move in our heart to give us faith to step into what God has for us. You see that in Elizabeth. We see that in Mary. Take a look at the text with me. It's the, the, it's the core of Mary's song of praise, starting in verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will be called me blessed. Not because of who, who Mary is in a sense of, of worth within herself, but according to who? according to what God has done, produces that. We can go on. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And what? Holy is his name. Mary continually pushes praise and glorifies God because that's what grace produces in our life. It produces a heart to worship and a heart of obedience to God's word. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their minds. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped the stop there. He has satisfied the hungry. Those who hunger and seek after what? Shall be what? Shall be filled, shall be satisfied. Last part of our song, last couple verses in our text, is simply this. It's just a praise 
it's just a praise to God's faithfulness to his covenant to his people of Israel that the scepter won't depart from Judah. And we see that in the last couple verses here. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And then there's a transitional phrase in 56. And Mary remained with her, remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Who does God use today? Does he use great kings and people of influence? Well, we, he can, and we certainly, we're called, Paul calls us to pray for our rulers and, and, and people of positions of power and authority. We're called to pray for them. God can certainly, you know, turn the heart of the king, but more often than not, God's looking, he's looking for you. He's looking for someone that, well, might not be like Mary, vulnerable, unmarried, or you might not be like Elizabeth, walking life with unfulfilled expectations, social shame. But both these ladies had two things in common. They had a humble heart, and they loved God's word. And if that's you, God's got a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. And he, if you keep that focus of humility and a, and a focus on and a love for the scriptures, when, when that time comes, God in his grace will even give you the faith to step in to what he has for your life. And so my encouragement to you in this week of Advent is let, let your circumstances be defined by the word of God. And if you do that, you'll have joy in your life.